You know, each week, as I sit down to assemble my thoughts, my notes from the week into the form of a sermon, I, I find myself walking a fine line. In seminary, it's often taught that a good sermon will have one hour of study for every minute you're in the pulpit. Um, whether or not I actually obtain an hour for every minute I spend, I spend countless minutes struggling with the text, trying to find the message. And through all this study, I'm bombarded with thoughts and ideas and, and all these things that come to me. And God reveals many things to me, and I begin this process of taking all this and compressing it down into a sermon that's God-breathed, biblical, thought-provoking, lesson-teaching, and interesting. It's usually that last part that gets its preachers in trouble. Interesting. People fall asleep. If you're giggling, probably you, I'm just saying. People fall asleep. Their minds wander to the roast in the oven or, or the game on TV or why sister so-and-so's hair looks the way it does today. We get distracted by all sorts of things. And as a pastor, I, I work hard to try to keep things both from happening. I want it to be interesting, but I also work hard not to get hurt when they do. Um, yeah. One of those things. But I figure if it happened to Jesus, I'm in good company. Um, as we continue in our series on parables this week, we find Jesus in just such a situation. In Luke 12, Jesus is teaching about fearing only God. He is teaching about how to live your life and how to do the things you need to do and not be afraid of, of those who don't have real authority but fear God. And it's a great sermon. But there's one guy whose mind just isn't in it. In fact, he interrupts the sermon to ask a question. It's found there in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13. And it says, Someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher! Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, he said to him, Who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? He then told them, Watch out and be on guard against all greed, because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, What should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel of the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, thank you for loving us. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake and all God's people said. Amen. Jesus is teaching. I mean, he's just, you know, teaching all this stuff to the crowd. And the guy stops and says, hey, Jesus, tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. Now you may think, well, that's not so bad. I mean, you know, Jesus is kind of long-winded. Look at these sermons. They go on forever. We, we don't stay here for days listening. So, I mean, you might think that's fine. But, <laughs> we know inheritance can tear a family apart. So maybe he wants Jesus' opinion. But 
let's look at what's wrong with the question here. It's me-centered. It doesn't say, Jesus, listen to what's going on and tell us what's fair. He doesn't even say, Jesus, my brother's doing something wrong. Remember, in, in the Israelite way, when, when a parent died, when the father died, the older brother got two-thirds and the younger got one-third. And so the older brother was supposed to get more. What he essentially says to Jesus here is, take my side in my argument against my brother with me. Take my side, Jesus. Take my side. Give me, give me, give me. Essentially, I want more. How often do we want God to just take our side against our family or our friends? God's got to be on my side. God, trust me, this is the thing to do. Trust me, I am right and they are wrong. And as long as we get our way, we're okay. We go through that. That's his brother. Jesus, tell my brother to give me more. Tell him to give me more. And second, he doesn't care who gets hurt in the process. He doesn't care if his brother has to say or not. His brother doesn't seem to be there to give his side of the story. He just kind of says, brother, can you come, can you come tell my brother this? He doesn't care. Just make him give me more. He's willing to ruin the relationship to get what he wants. You know, the problem with greed is that it's always selfishly wants more. Greed always wants more. There's never an end to it. With greed, you just continue on. You're always going to want more. There's never going to be a place where you go, you know, I've got enough. I've got enough. We watched DuckTales back in the 90s. Remember DuckTales? Scrooge McDuck. Who would go swimming in his bank vault full of gold coins? I mean, you know. Or even you go back to the Christmas Carol and Ebenezer Scrooge who wouldn't even give a stick of wood to heat the place so that his people could be comfortable. Greed always wants more. It doesn't even have to be earned. Think about it, what he's doing here. We talked about this last week. There's no earning an inheritance. You can't earn an inheritance. And this is an inheritance he's asking about. He says, Jesus, tell him to give me more. Tell him to give me more. I want more of it. He's essentially mad that he's not getting more of what wasn't his to begin with. That's going to be really important here in a minute. He's mad because his brother is doing what he's supposed to do. He's not getting more of what wasn't his. And he just sees the situation he recognizes rightly this isn't about injustice. It's not about wrongdoing. It's pure greed. And he's not going to let that derail his work. So he says, who appointed me arbiter? And then he turns to the to people around him and he says, watch out against greed. Life isn't about an abundance of possessions. You're focused on the wrong thing, son. If you're focused on what you can get, you're focused on the wrong thing. If happiness is always just a little bit more away, you have to take a hard look inside and see what's what. Jesus says it plainly here. Life is not about an abundance of possessions. Anybody know the name Malcolm Forbes? In 1984, Malcolm Forbes was just finishing up a motorcycle tour of Egypt. And he began to ask and wonder, will I be remembered after I'm gone? And so he spent the rest of his life collecting motorcycles. He's remembered all right. As the man who coined the phrase, he who dies with the most toys wins. But in 1990, Malcolm found out a very sobering fact. That's not true. He who dies with the most toys still dies. And you don't get to take it with you. Life isn't about possessions. 
It's not about money in the bank. It's not about toys or trips or cars or anything else. If your focus spends a lot of time on those possessions, you better listen to Jesus here. But it's probably greed you're supposed to be looking out for. And then he turns to the parable. He turns to this story. So Jesus teaches this huge lesson, makes this huge statement about greed. And then he says, the ground of a certain man produced an abundance. And he said, man, I don't have any place to put this. I know what I'll do. I'll tear down all of my barns and I'll build bigger ones and then I can have the good life. And on the face of this, this seems great, right? He's planning. He's being a good steward. He wants to make sure nothing goes to waste. Let's make sure that I can store what's produced. But let's walk back to this parable and do something real quick. How many times are first person pronouns used in this story? I, me, my. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to share my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. Now, depending on which words you actually count, there are 10 to 12 different first-person pronouns that he uses. Everything he says is about him. My crops, my barns, my life. The parable even starts with a certain rich man in the King James Version. A rich man's right. The man's problem is that he doesn't understand that everything we have is not owned, it's on loan from God. Everything we have does not belong to us. Everything that we have is God's. We have it because of God. They aren't ours. If we work 80 hours a week, the money and possessions we have are God's. They're on loan to us. He has allowed us to have them. Think about this, the promised land. You're, you can get into some big arguments with people over the nature of the promised land. And, and is this eternal? Is it not eternal? And things like that. But the truth is, it's promised to Israel by God if they'll follow his, his teachings and follow who he is. But it still belongs to God. They're just given as stewards of land. And he proves it. How does he prove it? When they don't listen, he sends them into exile. If you're not going to do what I tell you to do in the land, I'm going to take you out of the land and make you appreciate the land and me even more. To battle greed in our lives, we have to come to terms with the fact that we don't own anything. It's not mine. God gives it to us. It's his and he's loaned us all we have. The rich man couldn't see that. He couldn't understand. It's his land. It's his crop. It's his to do with as he saw fit. It's his. It's his. It's his. It's easy to get swept up in that in our world, right? Because everybody wants to keep up with the Joneses. Everybody wants to have what the person next door has. We battle it all the time in our house with the kids. Because, you know, you have kids, what happens? Well, if one of them gets it, somebody else wants it, right? Why did he get a popsicle? Because he asked. You want a popsicle? Go get a popsicle. It's really hard when they come from school with different things. You know, it's just like, I'm sorry, that's just not the way the world works. Sometimes we, we get jealous and we get upset. And, and, and you know, it's, you can tell 
how someone feels about their things by the generosity they show. I've known people who will get mad over a $3 tip at a restaurant. I'm not leaving $3. It was $25. I'm not leaving $3. I'll leave $2.50 because that's 10%. And I've known others who <laughs> money was just money. And when money's just money, you kind of understand it's not yours because it can be here one day and gone tomorrow. It's amazing that we watch our retirement plans and when they're tied in the stock market, we kind of go. I remember walking into a meeting one day with my director of missions, who was my supervisor for a class at seminary. And I walked in and sat behind him in the office. And I sat there in the chair behind his desk with him back to me for like three and a half, four minutes in complete silence. He didn't say hi. He didn't say anything. He turned around just shaking his head. He said, well, now I've got to work. i got to work 15 more years at the stock market yesterday. He said, I thought I was retiring next year. I've got to work 15 more. Because it's too much. We, we get tied up in that. We get caught up in that. And, and in this world, they tell us we're supposed to watch those things. We're supposed to have more and more. But everything we have is not owned. It's all owned from God. The second problem the rich man has, it's where his concerns were. He was concerned about his plans. We can't be more concerned about our plans than we are God's plans. You notice what he didn't do here? He didn't stop and say, hey, God, I have an abundance. What do you want me to do with this? He didn't ask that question. He didn't say, hey, God, you know, I've got this overflow, and could this help some poor people out? Could, could, could I give a little extra at, at the temple so it could go into the, into the storehouses there to help somebody who needs it down the road? He didn't ask those questions. He just said, hey, i got a lot. I got a lot, and I don't have enough room. So, hmm. Well, let me let me explain. He didn't say, "Should I build new barns or give this way to the poor?" He said, "His greeds and has ideas of works ownership led him to think, wow, I have a lot. I gotta protect it. It's mine. I gotta protect it. If God blesses you with possessions, it's so you can be a blessing. That's why He gives you blessing. That's why He gives you possessions, so that you can be a blessing." If we take our blessings and our possessions and, and we put them all away so nobody ever sees them, that doesn't help anything. He doesn't make the rich rich so they can get richer. He lets them be rich so they can bless others. Some people in this world have missed that. They've misunderstood what it is that God's calling them to do. He plans for us, his plans for us for generosity and love for our neighbor. Remember the Samaritan? What did he do? He picked up his neighbor, he carried him to the inn, and he paid for it out of his pocket. He was generous with what he had. We can't get so wrapped up in the plans that we have that we pay no attention to what God has for us. There's an old saying that if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. It has never failed for us to plan a vacation and something fall apart. That's just the way it works. I don't know how many times Terry will tell you this. I'll get past I hate vacation. 
And people look at me and I'm like, I know I need vacation, but I hate vacation. Because you build it up in your mind as something and it doesn't become what you think it's going to be. And so you find yourself going, oh, we get our plans that don't happen. But if we stop and we say, hey, God, what do you want us to do? How often have we found ourselves with plans in church and we make these great big plans and they don't turn out like we want them to turn out? And sometimes it's because we made these great big plans. We didn't say, God, what are your plans? What, what, what do you have for us? What do you want me to do? What's the next step? We can't be like this rich man, so focused on our plans that we neglect what God has for us. But we also can't be like him because he does something else that we shouldn't do. We should not spend less time waiting for your ship to come in and more time, you have more time sailing. We spend so much time waiting for our ship to come in that we don't do any sailing. I mean, well, I, 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 you know, I get so frustrated when I hear people tell me, well, I'm just trying to get myself financially secure before I have kids. You're never going to be financially secure the way you want to be. And when you have kids, that goes out the window. There's nothing left, right? I mean, because just when you think, hey, I've got it, I've got what I need, they grow. And they don't grow by themselves, they grow all at the same time. Right? That's what happens. And so when we find ourselves going through all these issues, and we, well, if I can just get to this point, if I can just get this, if I can just make this plan, if I can just do this, everything will be good. I don't know how, how often I have done that in my life. I've done it. If we can just do this. He spent so much time building barns and protecting his wealth that he didn't live. He built barns. He protected his wealth. And then God said, you fool, tonight you're going to die. <laughs> when you're blinded by greed, the desire to have more sometimes makes you miss out on the joys God has placed in your life. It's funny because even now I'm trying to think towards vacation. Vacation came up because we were thinking about it yesterday. I like to drive on vacation. Because for me, getting there is half the fun. The things that I see along the way, the things that I do, the experiences that I have, that's where I find the joy in my life. If I got on a plane to go to some destination, I've missed out on everything that's in between. What have I missed out on? That's like waiting for your ship to come in. That's, that's you saying, you know what? Until I get to this point, I can't really live. <clears throat> Until I graduate college, there's no moving forward. Until I get so much money in the bank, I can't do this. But sometimes we, we have to move. The need for more sometimes causes you to miss the most important things. I love my dad. <clears throat> but... My daddy failed in a lot of ways. Because, and my 
my sister would hate that I'm saying this, but because of his whole life growing up, for him, love was about making sure there was enough money, <coughs> making sure that his goal, literally, he told me as I became a teenager, his goal in life was to retire, and when he died, to hand me and my sister both a half a million dollars. That was his goal. And he was well on the way to it. But my dad was never at a school event. My dad, I take that back, came to my graduation. That's the one event I ever saw my dad at school. My dad didn't go to, get to go to school events because he was always working. There was always something else that had to happen. My dad didn't get to do all of those things. My favorite weekend of the year, my entire life, was the opening weekend of deer season. Because I knew that was the one weekend that I would get spent with my dad. Nothing was going to get in the way of that. My sister didn't have that. My sister didn't get to see that. She didn't get to go out. Because she was his little girl. And I was his boy. And in his mind, never even thought. Dad's beliefs came to a great place. He wanted to take care of us. He, he told me horror stories about him growing up. He told me, speaking of opening weekend of deer season, one weekend we were passing through Grimberry. And I had a box of Little Debbie Browns. And I was eating a brown. And I said, hey, Dad, you want a brownie? And he said, no, I don't like bubble. And I said, what are you talking about? These aren't dog things that they taste just like it. I said, what? How would you know? Well, one time when I was about your age, my parents had already spent all the money at the bar. And we didn't have any food in the house. So Mama said she went to get some, but us kids were so hungry we opened the dog food and ate it. And he said, and that's what those brownies taste like. Oh. I understand why he did what he did. But I also know that he missed out on a bunch of things. He missed out on a bunch of moments. Don't spend your life doing that. Don't spend your life chasing every dollar to make everything okay. Because guess what happened? In the end, he had his accident. And he spent 11 years in a nursing home. And when he died, guess what me and my sister got? A bill from the nursing home. There was no inheritance. There was nothing left behind. What my sister was left with was a gaping hole of wishing she had more time with my dad. What I was left behind with was, was great memories. And his instructions to me to take care of her. Pay special attention to the words of Jesus here to the man. Then... Who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You've done all this, and who's going to get it? You've been going on our Bible readings in the mornings. We were going through Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, right? What's Ecclesiastes say? I work my tail off my entire life, 
and then I die and somebody else squanders it. You know, you don't have a say in how what you leave behind is used once you're gone. And did you know the wills aren't ironclad and if you have debt, it comes first anyway? Don't plan for the future and fail to live today. In James 4.14, he says, Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. We, like the rich man, are not promised tomorrow. But we need to realize, too, that the things we do are left behind, but the things God does remain. Who will get what you have, what you prepare for yourself? The things we plan, the things that we do are left behind for someone else. They are eternal. They are eternal. If you ask anybody, When someone you love dies, you don't usually say, man, I wish I had more of their money. I wish I had more of their things. I wish I could talk to them one more time. I wish I could ride to the store one more time. I wish I could have a talk with them one more time. Well, let's be honest. The greatest works of art and literature in the world will someday pass away. The things that we try, the things that we attempt, the things that we complete amount to nothing because they're temporary and they're not going to last through the coming judgment. What you leave behind, you leave behind. And the others are going to decide what we'll do with it. But that's how it is for those who store up their things for themselves that are not rich towards God. But what does it mean to be rich towards God? It's the opposite of the rich fool who is storing things up for himself. It's the selfless life employed in serving and knowing the heart of the Savior. It's, it's the person who says, I have enough. I have enough. I have what I need. Let me help you. John Piper would say, it means moving towards the attitude of God is our riches, and it means using earthly riches to show how much you value God. Being rich towards God means giving your all to Him your trust, your love, your time, your heart, everything. He wants us to love Him more than our own lives. His life. We are bought at a price. And the life we live is no longer our own. What we sing a while ago, I'll never know how much it cost. I like the line, but I don't know that it's true because I know what it cost. It cost Jesus. It costs his life. It costs him going through all that. It costs him. We are bought at a price. The parable of rich fool is a lesson on how to guard against the greed in their life. The opposite of the rich fool. The things we have are not. Remember that. They're on loan from God. Everything we have is God's. And he simply said, here, you can use it for a while. We well, get uncomfortable with that. Because that even means our kids. I got in a discussion once with somebody who didn't like that. Well, he, he couldn't mean my kids. Yes, he means your kids. He gave them to you. They're his. How much, how much better is that? Because I'm going to mess it up. But 
They're his. We've got to be more concerned with God's plans than our feeble attempts to secure. Because we're never going to be secure. I mean, Jeff Bezos still needs more money. I mean, when you get a divorce and half of your divorce settlement is like $75 billion, you don't need any more money. But he thinks he does. Life in the now rather than gambling on the field. You know, there's a song that I love back in the 90s by Garth Brooks. If tomorrow never comes. And it ends with saying what? So tell that someone that you love just what you're thinking of if tomorrow never comes. We have to do the things of God that will last rather than our things that are going to pass away. Maybe this morning you've been struggling with this epidemic. Oh, yeah. A word that we don't like to hear in our current culture right now. But the epidemic of greed is going on in our world right now, right? It's an epidemic. Everybody. Everybody has it. Everybody's a carrier. It's easy to get, get it because, you know, man, everybody around us has stuff and we want more. Maybe you've been struggling with that. Now's the time to say, okay. I am going to take the advice of Jesus and realize that life is not about an abundance of possessions. Maybe this morning you just want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to serve missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never taken that step and you want to do it. Now's the time. Just walk the aisle because like we said, tomorrow is not promised. Wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Would you pray? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings.